You're only as strong as your hope. Let that be your mantra. You are only as strong as your hope. And if your main hope, if your confidence is not in Christ, you're not as strong as you should be, as you could be. And the way to know where you have placed your primary hope is by how you react to the difficulties and challenges that come into your life. If your trouble manages you more than Christ, the most courageous thing you can do is ask the Lord to break you from that bondage. Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. The title of today's podcast is You're Only as Strong as That Which Provides the Most Hope. Think about all the things that you love, all the things that you enjoy, all the things that you are thankful that you possess, that they are part of your life. And then think if if those things were to vanish, were to go, go away, how strong would your faith be in Christ? I'm not wishing hardship on any of us, but I do realize how I do realize how we can misplace our affections. It's not that any of those things that you have probably just thought about are bad. And I don't want you to feel guilty because you are benefiting from the kindness and mercy of God. I'm not asking you to cut yourself or to bring any kind of harm to yourself or to remove those things from your life. I just want you to think about this one idea that sometimes we can forget the good things that we have in our lives, and they could become more more to us than what they should. They could have more power over us, and Christ begins to diminish in our lives. I want to share a story about that. Our friend Biff, he's here today, and, and so I want to share a little bit about what's happening in Biff's life, and he will illustrate for us the point that I want to make for you. Again, the title of the podcast, the article that I'm sharing with you, I would love for you to read the title, You're Only as Strong as That Which Provides the Most Hope. And then I'd also like for you to share this article with a friend, share this podcast. If you are in the disciple-making business, if you're a Christian, you better be, then use this because you know someone in addition to yourself who has this tendency to have misplaced affections, misplaced confidence, misplaced hope. Let's talk about Biff. He sat in my office. He was discouraged. He just received the news of his impending divorce. He sunk into his chair and he cried. And no matter how tough he wanted to pretend to be, we men, we know how we are. We don't want people to look behind the facade. Well, Biff could not manage it any longer. The anguish and disappointment was overpowering. I cried with him. One, because I'm a crier. That's what that's what I do. I I cry when people hurt. But I also knew where I needed to take him. We couldn't stay there forever. But you know, you have this tension when you're caring for people. And so the most vital thing was was not to move forward at that moment, but to weep with a broken man. 
In discipleship, you have to prioritize your aims. You have to make sure that you know the sequence in bringing soul care to someone. The only thing appropriate for Biff at that moment was to weep with him. Christian counseling is neither Christian nor counseling if you do it without compassion. Biff did not need a plan at that moment as much as he needed an understanding friend. Some Saras do not need spoken words. There is a grief that stands without explanation. Biff was experiencing one of those Saras. His marriage was ending, and apart from a mighty miracle from God, nothing was going to stop it. Have you ever experienced that kind of suffering? Have you ever come to the death of hope? Now, perhaps your marriage is sound. I hope it is. I trust it is. And if it is, I rejoice with you. My marriage today is is in that place. In fact, we have been on a good run, a multi-decade run. God has been very kind to us. It is a mercy from the Lord to have a fantastic relationship with your spouse. And some of you have that. Rejoice. Don't feel guilty. It is a gift from God. But here's the thing. As you enjoy what you have, I also want you to apply what I'm sharing about our friend Biff. Though your marriage may go the distance, all of your hopes will not. Everything that you dream, everything that you imagine, everything that you want— well, it's, it's not going to go the distance. It's not going to turn out the way that you hope it will. If you're not currently going through a personal trial, it's a promise from God that your day is coming where suffering will be your companion. None of us will get out of this world without experiencing multiple painful iterations of the curse of Adam. It is the disappointments of your life that will reveal your hope. There's a silver lining in those disappointments because they will reveal where you are with God. When the sad times come, there will be an accompanying test. Biff is in a test right now. The sad time is here. The the gray cloud has come in and is hovering over him. He reminds me of the disciples. They were doing well until the thing they cherished the most died. The death of Christ highlighted this problem. It highlighted their hope. It's easy to rest in and trust God when things are going well. And I suspect that most of us who are doing well have that accompanying deception about our faith in God. I can trust God when things are going well. It's not hard to trust him when you're getting what you want. Now, I I do not wish calamity on you. And that's not the point here. I, I do hope that God will remove some of the scales that maybe have canvassed our eyes so that we can see with a little more clarity I am just making an appeal here that that you give reflective time to where you have placed your hope. You, You don't have to wait for trouble before you think about the quality 
of your faith. What if you are preemptive? If things are going well for you, take time to think about and and apply these two things to your life. I'm going to share them with you, but here's the question. Will you do these? Number one, ask a trusted friend how he or she perceives where you're placing your hope. That should be a wonderful opportunity for you to enter into a a marvelous discussion about this idea of confidence, faith, hope, trust, belief. Those are all synonyms. It's a word cloud that means the same thing, faith, faith, hope, trust, confidence, belief. Ask a trusted friend how they perceive where you are placing yours. And then number two, Ask the Lord to turn his light into your soul so you can see the real you. Kind of like what he said in Hebrews 4.13. In the last podcast, I talked about this. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him with whom we must give account. Some of the saddest situations Some of the saddest counseling situations that I've had are people who were doing well in life until personal sorrow altered their predetermined plans. In nearly every case, they did not prepare for the obvious. Humans are born to suffer. Let me give you a few examples of what I mean. The rich person did not discern how much he placed his hope in his wealth. The successful person did not see how his hope was in his self-reliance. The child-centered person was doing well because their children were doing well. The healthy person was on top of the world because of his physical conditioning. The intellectual person was confident because he was smarter than the average bear. The beautiful person felt great because they knew how to keep old age behind a mask. Then disappointment enters the room. Along comes sorrow, and the self-sufficient hope exits. The reality of imminent grief should motivate any rational person to assess themselves soberly. Now, my goal here is not to be oppressively negative, though it, some of you may be hearing that right now, and that, that really is not my point. I'm not Eeyore. I, I don't want to... Uh, just be that person that, that lives under the cloud, and I'm going to draw all you in under my cloud as well. No, that's that's not that's not what's happening here. But I am a realist. I mean, that is true. I tend to be a little more black and white than the average person. And so if disappointment is not here today, well, it's coming soon. The unwise and careless person does not give cautious attention to where they place their hope. They enjoy today with all of its benefits, and they do not take heed about the fragility of life or the subtleties of self-deception. Now, I want you to do both of those things. Enjoy today. Enjoy all the benefits that you have. The things that you love, love them Love them well. Love them fully, entirely. Don't feel guilty about the mercies of God, the things that he has blessed you with, but, and, take heed about the fragility of life and the subtleties of self-deception. 
If you don't take heed to the words that I'm sharing with you, when disappointment comes, you'll be a relational train wreck. Biff had placed his primary hope in his marriage. Now, place hope in your marriage. Yes, do that. But I'm talking about primary hope, your first hope. I know this because his grief was abnormal, a pain that had no end. If you don't get over the bad things that have happened to you, then you have misplaced affections. After a while, that grief will turn to bitterness and unforgiveness and anger. And perhaps you know people like this. It is abnormal grief that has metastasized, and now it is bitterness and anger. Well, that's because they have misplaced affections. The sunshine will not return to your life until you make Christ your ultimate joy in life with no conditions. It's okay to have a rattled confidence, a rattled faith, but if it stays that way, your Christianity is out of whack. If Christ controls you, whatever upheavals come to your life, you will not live on a yo-yo. Oh, you may waver. No, you will waver. You will have bad days. You will be sad, but your trouble will not manage you in adverse ways. I was Biff. I mean, I could say that this is autobiographical because when my marriage went into the tank and eventually went into divorce, I was managed by it because that was my primary hope. The things that I'm sharing with you are autobiographical. Biff was up and down, and you could predict his movements based on what was happening with his spouse. Think about a marionette. Think about a puppet on a string. If she looked as though a reconciliation was in the future, Biff had a pep in his step. When things took an unexpected negative turn, he was sinking in his chair again. The text that I want you to focus on is one of the cornerstone texts in this ministry. It is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. I'm going to share it with you. I've shared it before. But I want you to reflect upon this text. Paul said it this way. There, there are a couple, uh, let's see, there's three, there are three sentence, four sentences here. Sentence number one, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be ignorant brothers, Paul is talking. I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. Biff, do not be ignorant of what you are going through. Podcast listener, if you are in suffering, if you are disappointed about something, do not be ignorant about what you are experiencing, Paul said, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. Second sentence, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life. And that is where Biff is. He is burdened beyond his ability to rectify the situation. He can't fix his marriage. It is beyond his self-reliance. Third sentence, Paul said, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. It was not only beyond his strength to where he was despairing of life, but 
They had a death sentence on them. That's how it felt. Last sentence, but the conjunction, it joins two thoughts. I want to join what I just said to the next thing I'm going to say. Paul said, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so he began this passage by saying, don't be ignorant of what we're going through because God is teaching us not to misplace our hope, to rely on the wrong things, but to rely on him who raises the dead. What Paul learned was not Biff's experience. Biff was ignorant of the purposes of his disappointment and affliction. This miscalculation was Paul's warning to the Corinthians. I mean, he's writing to the Corinthians saying not to be ignorant of the affliction they were experiencing. Biff had misplaced his hope by making his marriage more about his dream than God's purposes. Biff had created an illusion, his marriage, that spun him into discouragement. Biff's story is yours if you put too much hope in the wrong thing or the wrong person. You are only as Christ-like as the central fixation of your dream. Because, of the, most, because the most essential thing in Bill's life was his marriage, the lack of marital happiness diminished his Christocentric equilibrium. The most difficult thing to tell Biff was what Paul attempted to teach the Corinthians. Biff was relying on himself to provide the most important thing to him, which was his marriage. His marriage was the epicenter of of everything for Biff. His marriage was the foundation upon which he was standing. Maybe that's a better way to think about it. And when you remove the foundation, he was free-falling It should be that when you remove the marriage, he's not free-falling because the marriage is not the foundation. But Biff was relying on something that he had constructed, in this case his marriage. Biff's inability to break free from his self-imposed funk, it revealed his misplaced hope. Now I'm looking beyond normal grief, I described it a while ago as abnormal grief. And after it went on, yes, I did weep with him and and I spent time mourning with him and showing compassion, but I knew where I had to go. And after weeks and, and months of this and not moving forward, it became evident that his self-imposed funk was because he had misplaced affections. Paul could not have been clearer He did not want the Corinthians to be ignorant of the affliction that happened to his team, which is why he tried to educate them on on suffering. God was breaking Paul and his team. God was breaking Biff because of the misplaced hope of self-reliance, not rely on ourselves. The Lord wanted Paul to rest in the only person who could bring someone from the grave. That's why he said at the last sentence to rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He was focusing on the resurrection, the, the power of God. That's not imitatable. We want to rest in that kind of power. It is a transcendent power. This truth is 
It also applies to how the disciples overcame their funk. Before the resurrection, the disciples could only hope in a a dead savior. Post resurrection, there was a there was a brighter aspect to the gospel for them to fix their confidence. Yet yeah, the cross is a part of the gospel. It is an aspect of the gospel, but so is the resurrection. And when when you're in your deepest funk and your deepest disappointment, you don't want to focus on the cross. As great as it is, you want to focus on the resurrection. And that's again, that's why Paul said that rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. When you are in your deepest funk, you want to focus on that aspect of the gospel, the resurrection. The disciples' early faith was on an er earthly thing, but not something that transcended their earthly mundane hopes. But then they began to fixate on the resurrection. Biff's hope was in what he could see and what he could feel, just like the disciples, his marriage. As his marriage was dying, it rattled his confidence. Biff needs a transcendent view of marriage. Transcendence is usually considered an incommunicable attribute of the Lord, which means it's something that that we cannot have. Transcendence, the way I have always taught it to our children, is a rocket going through the clouds. It pierces the clouds, penetrates the clouds, it moves above the clouds, it transcends the clouds, It's, it's above them. And so transcendence is who God is. He is transcendent, an incommunicable attribute. And incommunicable means that they're not communicated to us, not given to us. And this definition is true in a technical theological sense. But with many of God's attributes, there is an echo of it. An echo that God does communicate, that God does give to his children. Because we are in Christ, we have otherworldly expectations and abilities. There's a transcendent quality, an echo of it in us. Paul talked about this in Philippians 14, uh, 4.13, rather. I can do all things through him who strengthens me, because we're in Christ, we have otherworldly expectations. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 12, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. This transcendent ability, this echo of transcendent ability you have is a gift from the Lord. It is not self-generated. It's not self-perpetuated through self-sufficiency. It's, it is pure God-centered reliance. And once tapped into, it will give any Christian sustainability through trials. Paul was making this point to the Corinthians. Now, what about Biff's marriage? Jesus gave Biff something special when he came out of the tomb. But Biff has not learned how to live in the power of the resurrection. He had mostly placed his hope in his marriage. And when you do that, it is a what's in it for me expectation. If your primary hope is in your marriage, and again, the way that you know that is by how rattled you are when your marriage is not meeting your expectations. And if that is true, then you have a what's in it for me expectation. 
Biff's temptation is our most common one. We look to how we can benefit from something rather than thinking of how God can use that thing to make us better people. God had to bring affliction into Paul's life to reorient his thinking around the gospel rather than around other things. In Biff's case, the Lord had to shake his hope loose from his marriage so he could wrap it around the gospel. One of the purposes of suffering is to dislodge us from fixating on and hoping in the wrong things. Biff has to come to realize that his most excellent satisfaction will not come from his marriage, but from God. His his relationship with his spouse, assuming it will continue, is to deepen his affections for Christ. If your relationship with your spouse does not deepen your affections for Christ, then, well, you're, it's the wrong purpose. It's not the primary purpose for marriage. Biff saw his marriage as something that made him feel good. He was using his marriage as an addict would use drugs. Now, perhaps... You're ignorant, and I only use that word because that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1a, and I'm using Paul's language here. I'm not trying to be harsh or unkind. But are there people, places, things in your life that you use, not realizing the best purpose of them? Do you have a what's-in-it-for-me attitude when it comes to those things? Here are two common ways in which I've experienced a lack of functional application of resurrection power in my life. Uh, I'm distinguishing between intellectual understanding of the resurrection, meaning I can take a theology 101 exam and tell you what the resurrection is. Hopefully, any Christian can do that. But there is a difference between an intellectual understanding of the resurrection and a functional application of resurrection power in your life. Here are two ways where I've messed this up. One, I have been ignorant through self-deceived self-reliance, not perceiving how I had placed my hope in living well in America, living well in this country. There's so many benefits, a great marriage, an income, sustainable income, a wonderful job, or children and the blessings that they enjoy in this free country. And and I can begin to, those things can have control over me, which the truth is that the blessings that we have historically experienced in America is so unlike the rest of the world. For those of you who have traveled, especially to third world countries, you, you always come back thinking how blessed you are. And I've fallen into that trap of being ignorant through self-deceived self-reliance that, you know, I can build a life. I can, I can build a kingdom the way that I want to and enjoy the benefits of it. And, and, and after a while you can place your hope in those things. Well, I've done that. I have been ignorant by not seeing the point of suffering in my life. And so not only have I been ignorant by, by the benefits of living in this country, which I do, but I have been ignorant by not understanding suffering. Suffering is to make me rely on God rather than rely on myself. Now, what about you? 
If you're suffering today, have you found contentment in it? Because you have a transcending hope, a hope that is not managed by whatever's going on in your mundane, earthly, terrestrial, sublunary world. If so, you are accessing the power of his resurrection that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 1. In your situation, keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. Your circumstances may or may not change. I mean, maybe the suffering that's in your life won't ever change because it keeps you living in that transcending hope. That was Paul's case. He never lost a thorn in his flesh, but he found contentment in his suffering. And God had to do that for him so that Paul could access that transcending power, that transcending hope. And so your circumstances may not change. They may change. I I don't know. But you will be okay because those disappointments are not what manages your mental state. Now, perhaps some of you are living in a false victory of self-reliance. If so, you... You need a loving, courageous friend to come alongside you to discuss these things so you can learn how to how to let go of your dream while embracing a transcendent life. God's word is real, and his power is accessible to all of his children. These gifts are the hope that we have through, in the resurrection The title of this podcast is, You're Only as Strong as That Which Provides the Most Hope. I have a call to action here, and I would appeal to you if you want to learn more about some of the things that I've been sharing in this podcast. Would you work through these questions that I have here for a double bonus? Would you work through these things with with a friend? I have some good, I think, insightful questions that will help you to flesh this out. And then would you begin reading some of the embedded links inside this article and share them with a friend as well? And as always, you can talk to us and it would be our, our pleasure to serve you.